0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cincinnati Sports Review. My name is Eric. My name is Nick. Today, we're going to be talking about the 2019-2020 Cincinnati Bearcats basketball season and what a roller coaster it was. So, right off the bat, you can kind of go into prior year, going into this year. Biggest news, of course, McCronin leaving, leaving for UCLA. Big I loss. Personally, was like shocked that he left. I wasn't. You really? You weren't you were shocked? You weren't shocked that he left? No, really? Why would I? Why? I thought he was going to stay here forever. Like a lot of times in in the college basketball world, if you're coaching at your alma mater, that's like the cream of the crop, at least for like some of the other really big schools. But I know he he said that he wanted to go coach for a really big. I can't really blame him. Uh, UCLA's got the history. They haven't really had a whole lot of recent success, but well, that's why they went after McCrone. I mean, he did a pretty good job this year because they're they were second place in the Pac-12 even though the Pac-12 isn't that great. But, you know, compared to all the other coaches since then, he's done the best job since the since they went to a, like back-to-back final fours. Yeah. Like Russell Westbrook back in the late 2000s, yeah. So, that was a big loss and I think immediately a lot of uh, overreactions from fans uh, seeing a lot of the players leave. So um, we already lost two seniors, two guard seniors. And then on top of that, we had, I think, four or five player streams out to other schools. Wasn't looking too great.
1: I'm surprised Cumberland. Yeah, well, we'll talk about him in a second.
0: Because then they hired on Coach Brennan, uh, NKU. I think it was either going to be him or they were talking about Nick Van Exel. I think that was kind of one of the rumors. Uh, cause he was coaching at the NBA level, the Grizzlies. So I think he uh, will have some experience. Uh, I don't know how much recruiting he's ever done. Cause if you're at the NBA level, you really don't have to recruit, but right. Either way, they got coach Brennan as the coach and he immediately, I think picked up a lot of good, uh, recruiting players. I think the rookies are freshmen uh, played really well this year overall. And, uh, yeah, I think he did a pretty good job. All things considered, you know, brand new job. Uh, I think kind of the problem from a fan standpoint is where expectations. So a lot of fans wanted, a, you know, brand new coach, kind of fresh, change of pace with the players that they got. Especially once Cumberland said he was coming back, that kind of changed. At least for me, my perspective. Like once he said he was back, uh, I'm like, okay, everything else doesn't matter. As long as Cumberland's here, we're going to be just fine. Uh, I think Coach Brennan had some, uh, you know, obstacles, new coach obstacles. I, I think a lot of people as fans were expecting him to just come on in and, and just kill it immediately. Like, he was going to come in and they were, there was going to be no road bumps or mistakes or learning the ropes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, some of that stuff. He was just going to come in because he had success at NKU. He was going to come in and wouldn't even, like wouldn't skip a beat and i think that was i think a lot of fans thought that was going to happen and i think obviously in retrospect that was kind of not fair and kind of like you know it's easy you know he's a brand new coach for him to have everything gone perfectly would be a ridiculous thought to think about uh he did have some really good good quality wins uh the tennessee at home they were ranked at the time they beat houston at home uh wichita state i know they kind of flirted with the top 25, beat them twice, uh, beat Memphis at home, yeah. had a lot of good games. Um, that, But so that's kind of the, the good over the season, but there were some losses that I think they weren't expected to lose. I think if Cronin were still here and he was coaching with the same group, handful of losses they wouldn't have come to. They probably wouldn't yeah. have dropped Colgate and Bowling Green.
1: But that's kind of been the season. Every win has been a close win. Like they, It was a sh- struggle to... For everything. For everything they got. Yeah.
0: And I feel like, as Bearcat fans, we've been, been spoiled a little bit. The prior three years, they won, like, close to 100 games. We were writing at high note, getting a new coach, the whole group of new players, that to think that we were going to have another 30-win season would be kind of a stretch in retrospect, I think. You know, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, But overall, I think they had a pretty good year. If Tulsa loses... Then we share the championship, regular season championship. We'll get the first seed in the conference tournament, which doesn't mean too much in the grand scheme of things, but nice little
1: perks to have. It would be nice if they can can win the tournament. Yeah, because I know they're kind of on the fringe, on the bubble. Yeah, it would. Yeah, because it, w- it would be nice to make an appearance in the big game, big tournament again. I don't think they're going to do much, but it means something to go. Yeah.
0: I think they've. I think they've just had too many close games to say that we're gonna have, you know, a big run. Uh, but I mean, you never know. Let's go. Why it's called March Madness instead.
1: I mean, if you look around the country in NCAA basketball this year, a lot of teams lost a lot too. A lot of ranked teams lost yeah. a lot. It was especially like the top five. Yeah, the top five has been pretty much shuffled
0: the entire year. But I think another thing too. It's kind of off topic, but. So Dayton basketball, uh, <laughs> holy crap! Yeah. playing really well year, really good year, and they're uh, like top four team, but they're not a one seed according to Joe Lenardi. So it's like, how can you be a top four team in the country and not get a one seed? So I feel like the politics of the tournament kind of dictate where you go, and I think that's kind of bogus because I think if you're if you're a top four team, you should get a one seed. It doesn't matter where you you know you may have to go out and play in you know, California or whatever if that's the case but you yeah, have one seed is important that's huge but I don't know maybe it's easy maybe it's easier them for them to get a two seed and play in like Indianapolis in compared to getting a one seed and play in like out west but either way that's good for them that kind of reminded me of like our team a couple years ago but that's a whole different story yeah individual players I think Cumberland He's, I think he had some foot trouble, think he's dealt with it all year. Uh, I, I remember reading, like, before the season started, that he hadn't even practiced with the team yet because he was dealing with a foot injury. Um, so having to deal with that all year, uh, and then I think he missed the last game, the USF game with a yeah. foot injury. Uh, which was scary, I thought they were going to lose that and they were going to be done, that was going to be the end of their season but I was proven wrong because Keith Williams came out and had a great game
1: I mean, they fought through adversity yeah. kind of, theme of the season yeah,
0: it's like it's it's the running theme of this team to be down double digits late in the second half and then somehow win by two Yep. but either way you know, win's a win but I think he he played worse this year than last year for sure I bet the foot pampered him a little.
1: Yeah, statistically he was down on pretty much everything. It was worse this year. Um,
0: he, I think he probably didn't. I think a lot of people talk about rumors and stuff like that, but he probably didn't get along with the coach too well early on. Probably. I think just from my observations, it kind of seemed like he was used to McCronum saying, okay, Jaron, I need you to go get 25 and win the game. Now it's uh, John Brennan wanted you know more less isolation plays, more ball distribution passing. Uh, so I think he probably was used to the idea of being the man, and since he wasn't getting that, maybe butt heads. I'm not entirely sure. I'm sure the injury probably has more to do with it than anything, because he wasn't he wasn't a boot last week. You know, you don't get in the boot unless you're in pain.
1: Yeah, I think overall though the the season probably hurt his chances of getting drafted. Do you think he's going to the NBA? I think he's going to be undrafted.
0: Uh, I don't think he's going to go to the NBA because his his back is going to be injured from just carrying this team the last <laughs> two years. Like there's no way he's going to be able to, you know, play with that. I mean, he really did carry us for. They lost all those seniors and and, and
1: good players. I think last year, the previous year was his last shot to really prove himself. Last year with Mick Cronin, so it could have gone further. I think he could have played better. Yeah, and I know he he tried. He went to those um, NBA camps to see if he was, you know, NBA ready, and he wasn't. He didn't get a lot of interest. Um, So that's why he came back. Basically, well, if
0: you. Here's, here's the only, like, detriment in, like, the modern NBA of getting drafted is that, like, uh, your age is very determined. Because they love – NBA loves them 18-, 19-year-olds because y- you get more time to, like, kind of develop them. If you yep. can get someone like – I know Zion Williamson's a big talking point, but if you get him at 18, you know, you got – instead of getting him versus at 21, that's an extra three years of, you know – developing him into an nba player versus college because the the game's still different you can still post up in in the college game and the big man post up has kind of been eliminated in the nba for the most part
1: although that's not how i think nba ball should be played but that's a whole other story yeah definitely um somebody that's coachable somebody that's young somebody that has a lot of upside is more valued today in Mm -hmm. the draft um you look at guys in the NBA now, like, not everybody is lighting it up first season anymore. Um, like, like,
0: John Morant and Zion Williamson, There's like, the only two. They're, like, borderline all-stars. But other than that, yes.
1: Like, like Giannis Adekompo, however you pronounce the name. It took him a few years, but now he's an all-star. Now he's the
0: man, yeah. Well, it's like, with those young guys, it's really a risk. Uh you know, so many, so many lottery picks are, you know, those Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, a one-and-done studs, and then they come to the NBA three, four years later. Haven't done much and end up getting traded. So it's like, still, I think there's still a lot of value in the developed upperclassmen. Uh, Jalen Brunson's an example, plays for the Dallas Mavericks as a rookie, plays pretty well. I think he's in his he's probably 21 i think he left a year early but but yeah but back to cumberland i think i still i still think the uh developed upperclassmen still has a role in nba um on an nba transition from college to pros i know that the business and the market isn't the youth but i think there's still opportunity there i think they need to realize that because there's a lot of really good talent out there that aren't 19 year old, you know, undeveloped players. But so, IOB gets drafted. If he's going to get picked up, it'll be in the late second round, probably. But fingers crossed, because, you know, we always want our players to do well.
1: Yeah, I just don't see a role for him in the modern NBA.
0: Well, it's like he's. so. I'm gonna disagree with you on that one because I think he could play uh, a modern point guard because he's got the shooting because he shoots pretty well the three point clip, he's big and he's pretty fast for his size.
1: I, I don't think he could guard a point guard. I think his defense would be. So if you like say put him on Russell Westbrook, you think he would get uh, beat? Yeah. Okay. He'd be a huge liability. I think on so. Defense.
0: Well, well maybe if he gets picked up by the Rockets who don't play defense then. <laughs> You know. maybe uh, That actually probably would be the best fit for him. There's either Rockets or Golden State. Uh-huh. Teams that, like, don't particularly play defense. Just a lot of ball movement. Because he can pass pretty well, too. A lot of ball movement and shooting the three.
1: Yeah, just passes with James Harden. Let him shoot the
0: three. Yeah, he'll get <laughs> 20 assists just because he has hands him the ball. I, I, I think there's a uh, role for him in the NBA. But... Even still, I think a player that would probably be better in the NBA is Keith Williams because he, he's he's got the right size. He's 2'15", uh, 2, pretty well in shape. He's fast. Uh, he's an incredible dunker. Uh, I think there's two aspects of his game that are that need improvement. That are learned abilities. Like obviously, you can't teach height, speed. Uh, Body build stuff like that, but you can teach shooting, and he's got a lot better shooting this year. He's been hitting a lot more threes, I think. Yeah, Uh, and I think his stats one up. Yeah, and his uh, his dribbling, I think, is another one. I think you don't you can't really measure that with statistics, but I think uh, if he could just take a summer and just just really like just practice on his dribbling and shooting, I think he would be a a prime prospect because he's still young. He's he's a junior now. He's got the right build. Pretty good rebounder for his size and where he plays, so I think he would be a, a perfect NBA um, addition. If I think, I still think, even with what we just talked about earlier, uh, if you're kind of young and you have a really good uh, NCAA tournament, then that kind of like draws attention, and like Dwayne Wade's a pretty good example because uh, he was like, you know, uh, you're probably gonna be. Uh, you know, first or second round pick, he had a great tournament, and boom, he was like the third overall pick. Oh. So if he can, if Keith Williams can have a really good NCAA tournament, he may end up leaving, which would be like good and bad, because it's good for him. We want him to succeed. We want him to do well in the NBA. But for us, it's like, oh, we lose a really good player. But So I think he's probably like the most NBA prospect, is, I guess is the best word. If we're talking about players who we don't think probably fit in, in the NBA. Trey Scott's probably not one that, or right off the bat at least, even though I mean, he's like 6'8", but he's not like super wide. Not, yeah. He's a good rebounder. He's not
1: built to his frame.
0: Yeah, and I don't, I don't know where that fits in the NBA level. Uh, he can definitely play he can, he can play at a professional level. He's also, another detriment against him is his age. He's a fifth year senior, and you know, the, the NBA likes those younger players. I'm sure it, if he was playing, like, 20 years ago, he probably would have been a late second-round pick. But does the industry change? And even, like, adding in the international players, and that's really expanded in the last 20 years, too. So that's, yeah. he's not only competing with his contemporaries, you know, in at the college level, he's competing with uh, European players. And so, you know. Where he would have been 20 years ago versus where he would be now on a draft board. It's drastically different because of just the talent pool that's out there.
1: He's a great player. Yeah, and he just doesn't fit the NBA. He's a forward, a small, like a smaller forward, and he can't shoot Can't shoot the three.
0: Yeah. He uh, had some really great games this year. I think, like, he had a couple games where I was like, okay, we needed you to put up 25-20. Because... Mm. Uh, you know, I, th- I think they lost a lot of players throughout the year. That a couple of them transferred out. They they lost. I mean, they're down two big men. Uh, one of the one of the big men. He was a redshirt freshman. I think. Let me go check that. Yeah, redshirt freshman had heart surgery, so he's out. Couldn't play at all. Uh, they lost the Cerrola kid from Spain. He went back to Spain. So off, now you're playing with just three big men. So he really had to step up his game, and I think in the overtime UCF, he played 47 to 50 minutes. That's a lot of time playing on the court. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, A plus durability, you know, A plus effort. So he's gonna definitely gonna be missed. And he was like a pretty cool dude too, like just like just from what I've seen, like personality wise, and just interviews, he seems like a really cool dude. So sucks to have him gone. So that was basically. 2019 season we're looking forward to the um, conference tournament I think they should they're going to be a top three seed there I don't know what the game's being played as we're recording this where they're going to end up right but uh, fingers crossed it'd be cool for them to win the regular season I think I think they can all they need is uh, all they need is Tulsa to lose and then they end up with I think there's
1: a shot good shot
0: yeah and I mean, I think they've played. They've played in the conference tournament championship the last
1: three years. So. Yeah, I think there's a good chance of them winning that too. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a hard fought way to there, just like the whole season's yeah. been. But
0: well, it's like so you got to play three games in three days. Yeah, with a, I think they're guaranteed top three. They'll get the first round by, and then they'll probably, you know, I think. The the middle of the road teams are better than they were last year in the, in the prior yes. couple of ones. Yes. So that's going to be tougher on that because sure, uh, Houston's still good, and Tulsa came out of nowhere and half had a great year on the conference tournament schedule, but it's, uh they still got to deal with Wichita State or Memphis will be uh, second, I guess semifinal, but that that'll still be a tough game, and even the the bottom of the barrel team still played us tough this year so it's gonna be a a tough following weekend you know fingers crossed hopefully they can just come out and kill it uh we talked a lot of good that they had this year for the most part uh i want to touch on some things that they need they need to work on moving forward so let's talk about some of the bad things that they had this season uh i think the biggest detriment was rebounding I think they especially, uh, simple basic boxing out. I mean, I looked at like the statistics from year to prior year, and they, from a total rebounding standpoint, they only fell from like mid 80s to 120 seconds. So that's not, it's only like 40 spots. Mm. But I think there were a lot of games, particularly the Houston game on the road, where they just gave up so many offensive rebounds. And we've had this conversation before about rebounding isn't always height and athleticism, it's positioning. Uh, it's it's where the ball's being shot from. If you're a really good offensive rebounders are gonna know, you know where the ball's gonna go from their own teammates. There's a Dennis Rodman quote. He would count the rotations on like Jordan shot that way he could know where the, where to go. Right. Um, so rebounding isn't like always height. It's positioning.
1: Positioning. I think it's also your willingness to fight for it. Yeah. I mean that's what most of the great rebounders have said do. And we just. There were times where it seemed like they didn't want it. Yeah, I mean our center wasn't a great rebounder. Yeah,
0: which is I think that's one spot that Vogt's got to have. He's gonna have to work on. He's seven one, he averaged like six rebounds.
1: He played really timidly when it came to rebounds. I
0: thought. In yeah. The games He's got to be. He's got to be tougher inside. I, you're a seven footer. Uh, you, you know he's not Joel Embiid. He's not pulling up on the three point line. So he's got to make his money down low. So he's got to like. Hopefully, he can just spend the summer getting tough. Um, we need like a like a big man to kind of come on in and just teach him some skills and get him because everything everything he's lacking on is learn stuff. Like you can learn to be intimidating, and uh, it is harder. We've had this conversation too of for big men to bulk up. Yeah, because their their muscles are just so big. Uh, it's harder to get them. They're big enough already, just, you know, size-wise, so to add mass to it, it's more difficult, but hopefully he can build up a little bit more and kind of get better at the rebounding because I think he's obviously tall enough. Um,
1: he's only got one more year of eligibility. Yep. Right. Yeah. He was a transfer. I'm, I'm really
0: glad that he got his waiver because he was going to have to sit out for transfer rules, but since the one guy had heart surgery, they waived it, which ended up being almost like a blessing in disguise and maybe if he would have had that year off to kind of get more acclimated to, um, uh, I guess, I don't know, no disrespect to NKU, but a better brand of basketball, he would have been probably better off, but, you know, But, but yeah, rebounding, and I think the biggest problem that I've noticed with on them on the rebounding is boxing out. There are a lot of times where, you know, um, you know, it's, it, the ball's going to go in a position for a UC player, but they you know, didn't box out before the shot, and offensive player comes in, gets a quick layup. You know, that's a, two points lost. Uh, the Houston game is the one I brought up before, and that's a big example of they could have won that game if
1: they would have boxed out better and rebounded better. And... I think those errors really come down to the coach. Coaching needs the... That up. Yeah, I think that's one thing Brennan's
0: going to have to do moving forward is kind of get better at teaching them boxing out, and rebounding, and like McCrona was big on that turning defense into offense. But I think forward thinking, they're going to have to teach them, you know, better positioning, boxing out, rebounding was the big negative deterrent. I kind of hope too. Uh, this isn't so much as a negative, but. I hope they come in with a better non-conference schedule because our our non-conference schedule was very meh. Because my dad described, we talked about this before, as a team like Duke is really good, so they have both a tough conference schedule and a tough non-conference schedule. Mm -hmm. Uh, UC kind of has to do, because they have such a meh conference that they have to, you know... They end up having a meh yeah, non-conference to kind of, you know, balance it out. They have a good selection of wins, but I kind of hope they get some good high-quality resume-building matchups next year. I know they they're on some kind of um, tournament, like in New York. I think they're playing like St. John and some other big-name teams. That'll be nice. We'll have Xavier as a. One in a home and home like we do every year, but getting a nice big school to come do a home and away. Plus, I mean, we'll have Tennessee on the road, which that'll be a big game too. Right. But I kind of hope that he schedules pretty tough, makes us look better come tournament time. If we have good, you know, a good resume, if we kill it in the conference schedule and have a pretty good selection of quality Q one, Q two wins in non conference, that you know that'll make us look better instead of getting those like. Seven, eight, nine seeds that we've been getting a lot lately. We get more four, or five, but that's that's where I'm looking forward to is um, better conference and the transition from that more forward thinking. I kind of want to talk about uh, next year a little bit. Just touch on it. Uh, so they're recruiting. I think Brendan's doing a great job recruiting because I think of the players they brought in. Playing really well, Mike comes out. Uh, Mike Adams Woods played well as a starting freshman point guard. Uh, I don't really count Javen Cumberland because he was his cousin coming home. You know, he might have come here no matter what. Uh, but didn't
1: didn't Brandon play against him? His team. Yeah,
0: there. So he played. Javen Cumberland played it. We didn't talk about him too much, but he was. Uh, he played really well. Good spark off the bench. Three point shooting. He's going to be missed for sure. He had a lot of clutch buckets. He was like a like a dead eye shooter. It was crazy. But um, he came from University of Oakland, and they play in the Horizon League, which is the same as Nku. Yes. So yes. John Brennan yes. saw him a that's couple that's of times great. a year. Yeah. I don't know how much I don't know how much that had a factor in him coming home because uh-huh. him and Jaron are both from Wilmington. You know, it was probably nice to be closer to home and play with your cousin. So I'm sure that's the main determinant of him coming home. But other than that, I thought the the kids that he brought in, the rook, uh, the freshmen, played really well. Uh, and from what I've heard, the kids that are coming in next year are going to be pretty good, too. There's a couple, like, twin guards that are coming in. I think they're, like, I think they're 6'4", 6'5". Um, I, Range And there's a four-star power forward that's coming in. So we'll have vote at center. Either him or Mamadou as the power forward. Mike Adams-Woods is the starting point guard. I hope Zach Harvey is the starting uh, two guard next year. Because I would... I mean, as long as Keith Williams stays, he'll probably start as a third guard. But I would... If he leaves... Which I don't know. If, I don't know if that many people are talking about him leaving.
1: But that's, that's a lot of new players, though.
0: Yeah, it'll be a lot. It'll be a lot of change and a lot of turnover. We're gonna see. Well, we're losing five seniors this year. Yeah,
1: which is a lot. So, what's your realistic outlook for next season?
0: On a scale of one to ten, uh, probably a good solid seven. That's pretty optimistic. I'm pretty optimistic. I'm pretty optimistic in general, but you know. Uh, Assuming unforeseen massive changes as long as there's no conference shakeup, like Houston doesn't leave and go to the Big 12 or, you know, Wichita State ends up in the ACC or something. As long as, like, something weird like that doesn't happen and we're not playing a bunch of chumps, then uh, I think we'll be fine. It's going to be – losing Jaron is going to be a huge loss because he's just such a good scorer, very clutch. There's no – clear person to take his spot yeah right there's now. no clear like best player on the team now No, he's gonna.
1: I, mean, I guess it would be Keith Williams if he stays but that's um, kind of been Cincinnati basketball is relying on one all-star player and then everybody else kind of fills a role
0: yeah but I'm looking optimistic how do you feel about the future
1: not as optimistic as you I think a bunch of new players it's going to be it's going to take time to figure out who's going to be the go-to guy I think in the latter half of the season, they'll probably play a lot better in the first half. I
0: think so. I'm, I'm hoping, uh, I like Zach Harvey a lot. He didn't play too, too much, but he, he played a lot in big games. Like I think he played a whole heap of the both the Houston and the Memphis game. He had some clutch threes down the stretch. I'd like to see more of him. He seems like a really good player. Um, Kind of get him Uh, I guess a little bit more developed and on the court more so that would be great to see him play better kind of looking forward to this big power forward see how he plays out um but yeah i think i'm optimistic uh, i think Brennan now now that he's coaching mostly with players he's gotten the pick rather than i think the four high three or four highest scores on the team were all cronin's players now that he's bringing yep. in his own guys we'll see how they perform but I'm looking. Up, I'm looking optimistic. The next the next four years should be interesting because now we, we're we're, now that Jaron Cumberland's going to be leaving, uh, we're kind of, completely done with the McCrone era. Was yeah, he was gone for this season, but most of his players are still here.
1: So his influence was still kind of obvious when you watch the players play too.
0: Yeah, my brother said he he hated watching, U C basketball because was a lot of pass around the rim, pass around the rim, and then do a drive or kick out so he was looking forward to John Brennan but they didn't do that a whole lot this year it was still a lot of, a lot more kicking uh, shooting or passing around the room I should say yep. uh, but now with John Brennan doing his own players should be positive um, I, I mean overall I think he was a pretty good coaching selection I was worried at first especially with some of the early losses that he wasn't maybe wasn't the best choice but you know when I give him slack on the games where they're, you know, down double digits halfway through the second half, uh, he earns back the respect by winning the game. You know, that's coaching.
1: Yeah, I agree, absolutely. So, and it takes time to really get comfortable with a new team, get comfortable with your players and how they work, and uh, being able to pull out those close games really Yeah, that speaks a lot,
0: yeah. He's really, uh, changed my biased opinion early on so he he worked hard and respect for him for coaching through his father's loss that's got to be tough overall great season look forward to next year look forward to the rest of this year yeah should be a good good next couple weeks march madness coming up yeah all right well that'll conclude our episode of the bearcats basketball season thank you for listening have a good rest of your day